Well, what an extraordinary start to the week it was for Australian sports fans because the Socceroos are through to a fifth consecutive World Cup in really the most unlikely of circumstances, winning through in a penalty shootout against Peru on Tuesday morning. Um, Andrew Redmayne celebrated with his goalkeeping heroics, similar to, I guess, John Aloisi uh, during our 2005 qualification for the 2006 World Cup. But this qualification in many ways is even sweeter because this team is a far cry from the so-called golden generation of previous campaigns. Probably the only link to that golden era might be the coach, and that is Graham Arnold, written off by many this campaign. His tenacity and commitment to the Australian badge is really something to be revered, and it's our absolute pleasure to welcome Graham Arnold to the Big Sports Breakfast weekend this morning. Good morning, Graham, and congratulations. Uh, good morning, guys. How are you? Very well. How do you feel? How do you sum up your emotions? Um, obviously, with so much of the pressure on you ahead of, well, long before um, Tuesday morning, is it one of relief or is it now a steely focus on what's next? Well, I think at the moment it's uh, more relief. I think that, um, you know, with what the boys have been through and and I don't want to talk too much about the, the past and we looked, uh, looked at the future, but... Uh, it was, you know, the boys uh, sacrificed so much, the staff sacrificed so much during, you know, what we had to go through. But uh, overall, you know, as I said, it's, it's relief at the moment, but I'm still quite stunned. I've, uh, I've only been home for two nights and I find myself sitting there on YouTube watching the penalty shootout back because I didn't really watch it. I, hmm. I, I, I sat on the bench and I thought, I can't watch this. So, um, it's, it's, as I said, I'm, I feel, you know, I feel uh, great for the boys. Morning, Arnie. Um, mate, congratulations, of course. Um, many more conversations to happen behind the scenes, but on, on national radio, I want to ask you about the first emotion you felt. We know you don't watch penalties, um, but, uh, the first emotion you felt with all the belief you have, um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't satisfaction because you had the belief we were always going to get there. So when Redders saved that penalty, what was your first emotion? Yeah, look, uh, it was just, yeah, just uh, as you said, Mossy, it was just, uh, I just couldn't believe it because, you know, if there is one penalty to miss, it is the first one. And, of course, Martin Boyle missed that first one and uh, I didn't lose belief. It was great when, you know, you got the players looking at you saying, hey, Arnie, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. I'm thinking, oh, that's that's great, but uh, we need to be and and that. But it was just, uh, you know, it was an incredible experience. Uh, you know, as I said, in, in Qatar, beautiful air-conditioned stadiums. And the boys were just so determined to do this for the nation and, and do it for themselves. And uh, as I said, I couldn't have been prouder of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's... Uh, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, that I think the nation will look at for a, a very, very long, long time. Talk us through the uh, the massive decision. Obviously, uh, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't have been a massive decision for you because it was so educated. But uh, I've gone on record this week as saying the way Matty Ryan left that pitch set the tone for yeah. us to go on and win the penalty shootout, shootout. Talk us through it from your perspective. Absolutely, Mossy. He accepted it uh, so well. And I've, I'm being 100% honest with everyone. I, I You know... I couldn't tell Matty beforehand because it would have affected the rest of his game because I know Matty is, a, a, you know, that type of winner. Um, it was just a gamble that I took because, you know, these days with the new rules where the goalkeeper's got to have at least, you know, one of his feet on the line, it means that, uh, you know, if, if a penalty taker hits it hard and just inside the post, well, then, uh, 
you know, Maddie's one meter eighty two, eighty three, where Redmayne's one ninety five uh, centimeters, and and so you need the bigger, the taller goalkeepers. So it was. I had half of the staff looking at me like I was mad, and the other half who already knew about it that um, <clears throat> that we put Redders on just solely for that, but also to get into the Peruvians' mind because they would have studied. Uh, they would. You still there? Yep. Yep. They, uh, they would have studied the, um, you know, Matty Ryan and the way Matty, uh, you know, with uh, the way he's in, in uh, you know, for the way he saves penalties. But they wouldn't have known too much or anything about Andrew Redmayne. And, uh, you know, you could see Andrew's antics um, during the penalty shootout that really um, affected the Peruvians. I, I, you know, when I look back at those, those penalties, the two players that were looking at Redders and were watching him before they took it, the two that missed it, the two, the three that looked down at the ground and didn't look at what he was doing, they scored. So it just showed that uh, to get into the Peruvians' mind and uh, to make... To try and get that one percenter, uh, it worked. Bold also because I would imagine if there was a pecking order, you know, and there was an injury to Matty Ryan, Danny Vukovic maybe would have been your, num- your number two. I mean, w- was, is that a fair assessment? Uh, look, I think uh, you know, Redders and Danny Vukovic are probably equal. Um, but you know, coaching Redmayne at Sydney FC um, and seeing him save a lot of penalties in the A League uh, is, is the reason why. I took that risk, and Redders, uh, Andrew knew about it, uh, so we gave him pretty much 10 days or so to study the penalties from Peru. Um, John Crawley did a fantastic job uh, with Andrew to get uh, to get him ready, uh, and Rene Molenstein, every uh, training session was taking boys, you know, we'd, we practiced the walk from the centre circle down to, uh, to the penalty box and uh, for the players to practice the penalties, and and to build their belief that if the penalty shootout did come along, that uh, they were ready for it. So, you know, our preparation for that side of it was spot on. Talking of preparation, Arnie, just very quickly, Redders throwing the opposition goalkeeper's water bottle away has copped a lot of headlines this week. Um, preconceived idea or just spur of the moment from Redders? Uh, that was spur of the moment from Redders. So he obviously, uh, I've watched it back, he obviously saw it. Uh, saw the, the goalkeeper going to that drink bottle and looking at it before penalties, and and read his uh, for the second one, went and saw it and grabbed it and threw it in the <laughs> into the crowd. But uh, brilliant, yeah, yeah. But that's mate. You know, people can say what they want. It's about winning, and uh, it's a, and he found a way for us to win. Arnie, next time you go to <clears throat> Forest Valarisel Club with your mate Slater, given what you've achieved, do you think Robbie, who's notoriously careful with his money, might shout you a beer, just one, because he's a tight ass. Let's be honest. Well, mate, uh, look, uh, Robbie, I think may, but I'd be more interested to see if you actually do, because uh, I think you're worse. Oh, Arnie, but my contacts are rugby league. You're the one of the big yeah, money, not me. Uh, oh yeah, is that right? Yes. Well, you're, you're, you're complaining about having to go down to Canberra in the cold. Ayans, <laughs> it's a bit self-indulgent, but I, I wrote what I thought was a really lovely story in today's Sunday Telly about you and your family and the impact that your mum and dad. Uh, Faye and Barry had on you when you were growing up and, and the solid support of your brother, Colin. It was a, it was a really lovely interview and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But just run us through your, your family, Arnie, and how you seem to turn to them and, and, and look to them when life's challenges arise. Yeah, look, I, I haven't read it, to be honest. My brother sent, it, uh, sent me a text and said it was a brilliant article and thank you. Uh, well, most uh, of mine are, Arnie. You know that. that. And, uh, no, look... Um, 
you know, I, I, I grew up the hard way. You know, people think that maybe I didn't, but uh, I grew up the hard way. And, and you know, my mum was ill from the age of 16 and she had breast cancer and that, that went pretty much before anyone had ever heard of it. And uh, went through to her spine and everything, but she fought for four years to stay alive. And, and you know, she was in Calvary for a year and uh, and she was uh, such a wonderful lady. And when when she was ill, I, I went off the rails quite a bit and uh, wasn't interested in playing sport much at all. I was playing cricket as well as, as football and, you know, I, I, I lost a taste for it and pretty much until... You know, a couple of days before she died, and uh, she said uh, she said to me, grabbed me by the hand, and she could barely barely open her eyes anymore. And she said, "Graham, you have uh, a special talent. Don't waste it. Don't be a bum like some of your mates." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it really resonated with me. And from there, I went home and I stopped partying, stopped stopped going out. I actually gave away being an apprentice builder, um, and I and I just drove myself every day to train hard, work hard, and and then I was fortunate enough, I went to Sydney, Croatia, and they were fantastic people and, and great for me, and uh, two years later, I debuted for the Socceroos, and you know, my father's side of it, he was hard as hard as nails, always, you know, very firm on me. Um, he was my coach till the age of 16, till my mum got ill, and he stopped coaching, he didn't want to know about it anymore, and, uh, and it hit him hard as well, but... Uh, you know, I remember days where, you know, if I was seven or eight years of age, nine years of age, and if I didn't play well, he made me walk home. <laughs> You'd get in the car. <laughs> tough school, Hans. <laughs> uh, a tough school. Yeah, well, he was tough, very tough. And he was very soft on my brother. And, uh, and my brother was, um, he's just been an outstanding support team for all these years that I've been a, you know, an elite footballer or when I was playing or, or even when I went into coaching and, you know, with uh, whenever I needed someone to speak to, I could always pick up the phone to him, or he was the first one to check in on me to see if I was okay after bad results or something. And uh, you know, he's always been in the background. He's a he's a fantastic person, and uh, he's been special in my life. Yeah, I've uh, watched many games with with Cole and his brother, and uh, it's it's a beautiful relationship when you see siblings. Um, with such a tight bond, so it was great to see you call Cole out. Arnie, let's talk about the path forward. I'm sure you, uh, you've you probably only just sobered up um, <laughs> and haven't had a chance to, to think too deeply about it, but can you give us just a rough uh, a rough guide of what you're uh, hoping for over the next few months? Yeah, look, Marcy, to be honest, I haven't even thought about it. It's just still uh, surreal to me, but obviously we've got France, uh, Denmark and Tunisia, nearly exactly the same group as 2018. Um, and I actually, when I went to Russia in 2018, and I was sitting in the grandstands, a uh, grandstand, sorry, watching the game, I felt that we didn't try to go out and win the game. We just tried not to lose. And uh, you know that was exactly what we did against Peru. We, we we're going to try. We will go out there on the pitch and and take away their strength. And their strength is their technique. And we will, you know, chase and 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 suffocate them that they can't have any time on the ball. And we will try to you know dominate the game in that aspect. And but uh, go out there and play, play with a lot of pride on the shirt and do the, do our country proud. But you know there is stuff that I've already been saying to the boys. And you know when you look back at the history of uh, the Socceroos and the World Cup, we've only ever won two games in the history of the Socceroos of the World Cup. One in 2006, 
of course, with Timmy Cale uh, against Japan and one in 2010 in a dead rubber game against Serbia. So we're going there and we are, uh, you know, going there with a, a great motivation and drive and expectations to, yeah, to go out and do a great job but also win games. And and I think that's the most important thing. Ayans, Tom Rogic didn't play in the big game. Is he still part of your plans for the World Cup? Well, I, you know, as I said, I... You know, I had, I've had the conversations with, with Tommy and uh, before uh, he pulled out for personal reasons. I still don't know what they are. Um, so it'll be further conversations down the track, no doubt. Arnie, massive 12 months coming up for the game here. I know you care passionately about the whole of the game, not just the, the Socceroos. We've got the World Cup now locked in. We've got the Women's World Cup we're hosting. How big a 12 months is this for the game? And in your opinion, is there a... Is there a a simple recipe for for capitalising on this twelve months. Well, Mossy, I, I I really um, don't want this victory to paper over the cracks in our game because uh, there is a lot, and those cracks need to be filled. And you know, all I want is for young kids and play young players and and that to have uh, great lives and fulfil their dreams of becoming footballers and. You know, there's not many opportunities for kids. I did the Olympic team because I could see that there was no kids coming through. And out of that Olympic team, nine players and, and us qualifying, nine players have gone overseas. And and that's how the golden generation was born, was because of the development system, the AIS, uh, playing for the junior national teams, putting a lot of money into the junior national teams to give them the, those experiences. And, uh, you know, as I said, it's... Uh, it's a wonderful achievement, obviously, to qualify, but I don't want it to paper over the cracks of what needs to happen at the APL level as well as the state feds level where the kids are given opportunities to play games. And for me, you know, I, I spent 18 months during COVID trying to help fix that with the state federations and the A-League clubs. The kids just need more football. You know, they don't need 22 rounds. They need 36 rounds. They need more minutes on the field. And the only way you can become better as a footballer in any sport, or even in journalism, <laughs> is the more you do it, the better you get. And uh, I just feel that in this country that we are nowhere near, we don't play anywhere near as much football as every other nation around the world. And when we go to a world tournament, um, we're not we're not prepared enough because we don't play enough football where the other nations do. Mm. I'm not sure what happened to Bulldog Richie then because he's written thousands of th- stories and he hasn't got any better over the years. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what it made oh, just to find Bulldog Richie, aren't you? Morning, yeah, Arnie's in form, isn't he? You can tell he's, you can tell he's had a win. <laughs> I, um, mate, end on a, a really happy note. We, we saw some uh, footage from the dressing room, the boys celebrating. Take us back to the team hotel when everyone was back there. We, we saw Martin Boyle, I, I dare say, was probably at the, the, the lead of the celebrants but, uh, and, and Mitchell Duke and Sainsbury. But what was it like just sitting around the pool with the boys, job done, um, given that moment to just enjoy it? Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was fantastic. It's, you know, we have a special, if, if anything, Mossy, COVID has obviously thrown a lot of things at us, but what it's done, it's made the family stronger. And it's made the mateship stronger, the brotherhood stronger, that uh, they are really now so close that, you know, that uh, they will they will do anything for each other. So it was just, uh, you know, we got back to the hotel about one one thirty, and, you know, obviously there's, a, a, you know, a place in the hotel that the boys could have a couple of beers and enjoy themselves and then uh, in the pool bar afterwards. But uh, they were 
extremely well behaved and uh, <clears throat> and as I said, they just enjoyed their their time and the moment because as I said to them after the game, you know these moments don't come often and you've got to enjoy it, behave yourselves and uh, get, let's get back to your clubs, work hard because you know the team the the, the squad is going to be picked in another four months and you've got to be in form and you know that's my only concern with the A League players is. You know, how do we, you know, I've got to obviously talk to the APL uh, uh, owners and that because the A-League is starting mid-October and the World Cup starts, you know, early uh, November. So we need those boys playing and playing earlier. Well, Graham, I just want to read this text before we say goodbye to you this morning. Um, this from George. He said, I just want to let you know that Arnie did something very special for our family back in 2005. My daughter was suffering from anorexia and we were struggling to control this illness. Our daughter loved Lucas Neal, so I approached Graham to see if he could do anything to help. He gave my daughter an Australian jersey signed by Lucas. This helped her start her turnaround from this illness. So a lovely message there um, from George to you, Arnie. And I think I'd like to say on behalf of all Australians uh, to watch not just that game on Tuesday, but how you've dug deep through a lot of criticism and, and, and people taking shots at you over the particularly you know the last few months in this World Cup campaign I just think the way you've represented this country and that Socceroos badge has been exemplary and I'm certainly very proud to follow you into the World Cup and I know a lot of Aussies are as well Um, best of luck with the squad in November it's a tough job as you mentioned against uh, the French Denmark and also Tunisia but the one thing we know you and that squad is going to show plenty of heart and we thank you for your time this morning. Uh, thank you, guys, and uh, thank you for your support. Thank yep. you. See you, Hans. Graham Arnold uh, joining us this morning. Um, a terrific guy. And look, I know you both, particularly you, Mossy, are personally invested in, in Graham's journey and success, but I really hope that's all behind us now. Any any criticism of, of Graham and, and, and the World Cup campaign and not directly qualifying, um, that's all behind us now. We're there. We can all get on board and support our Socceroos squad. Yeah, that's right. And look, when you talk about criticism um, subsiding, you know, I think it's healthy that we criticise and analyse performances of the team, 100%. And the more we do that, the more mature we'll become as a as a team. And we are a football nation now. We, this is our fifth consecutive and sixth overall World Cup. So we are a football nation. Let's critique performances. Let's criticise performances. Let's let's applaud, uh, applaud good performances. But let's keep the personal stuff out of it because that, that just wins for no one. Yep, and a nice text here from John from Moorbank as well. Great chat with Graham Arnold, straightforward and doesn't sugarcoat things. Yep, he's a great representation for our Aussie culture, isn't he? Still plenty more to come on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. Phil Buzz Rothfield will be joining us a little bit later and we'll be taking your calls on the open line number as well, 135353 and the SMS as well, 0419767272. Stay with us on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend.